Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. I just got back from Solomon Islands last week. And for all those that asked me, did I enjoy my holiday? It was not a holiday. Uh, I was lecturing in 3,000 degree heat in a Bible college that God hasn't created air conditioners there yet. Uh, The only air conditioning that you get in the Solomon Islands is a little bit of breeze that blows. And when it blows, it's usually blowing because it's raining. And when it's raining, it makes that like 100% humidity go to 600% humidity. I'm not a sweater, but I sweated there, I tell you what. And uh, it was actually uh, the best weather I've had in Solomon's. I only sweated when I was teaching and preaching. And I was teaching for six hours every day. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a good thing under a tin shed with no walls. You know, when you're lecturing in a Bible college and a dog walks through the middle, you know you're in the Solomon Islands. And, uh, you know, this dog, actually, Wendy and I were talking about relationships and, and we're talking to couples there about marriage and how you do marriage well. And we're doing this example and this stupid dog kept on walking up. I'm not a big fan of animals uh, and dogs, but a Solomon Island dog isn't a normal dog. It's like got more mange than hair. It's like, it's like the skinniest thing in the world. Some of the dogs walk along the side of the road. I swear they're begging, please run over me. Please run over me. They're just struggling with life, you know, and, and this dog just kept on walking in and, you know, I'm rousted out a couple of times and, you know, it moves when the students, because they're usually chasing it with a thong and so they're trying to beat the thing out, but it just kept on coming back and like rubbing against my leg. I'm like, if there's anyone in the room that you should be not rubbing against their leg, it's me. You're like, what are you doing, you idiot dog? Wendy and I are doing this example about husband and wife and the togetherness of, of the oneness of that. And we're, we're, we stand together and we're hugging. We're doing this example. No word of a lie. That dog come up and started rubbing against my leg. I'm like, listen, the threefold cord has nothing to do with a stupid dog. It's the Holy Spirit and God at work in our lives that brings marriages together. That dog ain't helping nobody. Uh, so glad to be back. We had an awesome time over there. John is still over, and I know today he's, he's speaking at a combined service of all of our churches on Guadalcanal, which is really cool. I spoke in, in our Balasuna church when I was over there, and it's an awesome, awesome thing. Great to see God moving here and moving there, and, and it's just the same spirit. It's incredible. I, I was down in Nara a couple of weeks ago, and just the same spirit as God at work in worship through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God. It's a powerful thing. Pastor Wendy's not here. I didn't leave her in the Solomons. She's actually traveled down to Newcastle. Please be praying for her. Uh, Her grandmother passed away, and so they have a memorial for her grandmother and grandfather and all the families down there uh, with her doing that. And uh, she misses you all. Uh, She messaged me this morning. Make sure she say hi and she loves you. John messaged also saying hi to you all. Uh, But it is great to be back at City Point West. See your beautiful faces And uh, I want to wrap up uh, a series that I started prior to heading over to the Solomon Islands. And today I want to get really grassroots practical in our lives as we practically look at the the dilemma of the question I asked and the statement I made that I just want to be happy. And listen, I want to get practical today on how we build a, a point of joy and happiness in our lives and and some of the ways that we can practically do this and do this really well. Uh, because I, I looked at the last couple of messages that at, I want to be happy, yet trying to make yourself happy doesn't make you happy. I spent some time 
uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes when the wisest man of the Bible uh, wrote and spoke to people about this dilemma in his own life as he looked and searched out happiness for himself. We, we look through the book of Ecclesiastes as King Solomon said this, I tried a whole range of things and his statement was everyone were like grasping at fresh air, grasping at the wind. I don't know if you've tried to do it lately, but holding the wind in your hands is not very easy to do. He said, all of the things I tried, he said, I tried, I used the, the, the verse, he said, I, I tried alcohol. And we laughed at this because the statement is as true today as it was 3,000 years ago when he wrote it. He said, I tried alcohol, and his statement was, I tried to be wise whilst I drank, but I was just a fool. You know what? I, I've seen it in the city. I've seen it here in Anala. I, I drove through Guadalcanal in the Solomon Islands on payday when I drove past Jeepol uh, 2, which is a large area where people live and work in the, in the oil palm. I drove past there on payday when people were walking across the road, falling over and looking stupid. I tried to be wise. They're standing there trying to talk to the cars we drove through and fall over. I tried to say something wise, but I just acted like a fool. 3,000 years ago, it was the case and it still is today. And he said, the sad part is, it's the only happiness some people in the world would ever know. The moment of drunken stupidity. He says, I tried money. I tried possessions. I tried to be famous. And all of these things were empty. Listen, we see today one of the greatest rates of suicide are in the famous. And I feel like in the last couple of years, more famous people have died than ever before. Committing suicide because I tried to grasp all of the happiness in these things, but it was grasping at the wind. He said, I tried wisdom but even that in itself was not enough. I tried every pleasure, everything I saw and I wanted, I tried. And it was like grasping at the wind because you can't get happy trying to make yourself happy. We looked again last week at the wrap-up of that. He says, the wrap-up is this, fear God, keep His commandments. Live a godly life and outwork what God has called you to do. But today I want to again step into that practical element of how do we find happiness? What is one of the practical ways that we do this? King Solomon again in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 25 says this, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. In modern day English, King Solomon says this, Those that bring happiness to others will themselves begin to find Happiness. This is a counterintuitive thing, isn't it? The thought of, I want to make myself happy, yet in trying to make myself happy, I just become miserable. Because I can't just try and make myself happy because life is not like that. It slips through my fingers. But he comes and comes at a whole different angle, the, the, the complete opposite. He says this, if you want to find happiness, realize the outcome comes from actually looking at somebody else and saying, let me make Pat happy today. Let me put a smile on Alf's face today. Let me help Deb wipe that bad look off her face and bring a good smile on her face. Not that she would ever have that. She has it now, actually. No, she doesn't. She's laughing. Sort of. I love what the Living Bible translation says. 
It is possible to give away and become richer. It is also possible to hold on too tightly and lose everything. Yes, the liberal man shall be rich. By watering others, he waters himself. This is the blessing that comes from giving. Listen, this is a financial thing. This is an emotional thing. This is a spiritual thing. This is a natural thing. You have to understand this principle is supernatural, but it is powerfully natural for your life. Our lives, when we're giving to others, when we're outworking in others, become powerful, become powerful for others and become hugely powerful in us. Proverbs 3 again in verse 27, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to help them. When it is in your power to help them. I want to ask you a question today. What is actually in your power when it comes to helping other people? I look across the room and I know some of us feel like we're just scraping by. But what is in your hand? Our senior pastor, Pastor Lee Ramsey, says this, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And that's something we have to do. That's something we must outwork what God has put in us, the gifts, the abilities, the, the, the areas of our life. We must find a moment and a place to outwork it in the lives of others. Gordon B. Hinckley said this, The best antidote I know to worry is work. The best cure for weariness is the challenge of helping someone who is even more tired. One of the greatest ironies of life is this. He or she who serves almost always benefits more than he or she who is served. Listen, making ourselves happy when it comes to just working for me, I want to be happy, I want to do good things. When we're just focused on ourselves, we never become happy. But the look at actually serving somebody else becomes a powerful, practical outworking of happiness in our lives. Listen, there's been plenty of studies on this. I'm no scientist, I'm no doctor, but I've read plenty of different studies on the power of serving and the power of blessing other people. The power of being involved in other people's lives, not in a negative way, but in a way of bringing blessing to other people. And, and scientifically and through these studies, it has been shown so many times that this is a positive thing and has many key health benefits for our life. I read a study recently that showed there were seven key health benefits, seven key factors that come out of this. Number one, they say, people that serve and help others live longer. They have less stress. Sort of depends on who you're helping. They have less stress. Obviously, this wasn't a study of pastors in Anala. They have less stress. They have lower disease rates and lower levels of depression when they are helping other people through every one of these studies. Secondly, it says this, helping is actually a contagious thing. When we serve, it has benefit to the community but the community takes on this aspect of serving and it, the pay it forward principle happens. Therefore, you also get blessed because this community changes. I look around this church community. I, I love the fact that, that we have a community that looks to serve and to help people through moments of need. I see it continually. I hear testimonies of it continually. Not from people saying, look what I did. Usually from people saying, look what somebody did for me. Look how somebody helped me. Now listen, if you're in this room and nobody has helped you through your moment of struggle, let me ask you a question. Do you know people and do they know you so they can help you through the moment of struggle? 
Listen, if nobody knows you, you're not involved in a life group, you come to church and you're, and you're in out and you disappear straight after the service, you never talk to anyone, it is very difficult to be able to help you through a moment of struggle. Listen, you must engage and allow people to walk with you so that they can walk with you and help you and take you through the challenges that you maybe have in your life. This is the power of leaning in in church community. Thirdly, they say, that was just a side note, it wasn't even in my notes. Thirdly, they say helping actually makes us happy. Studies show that the brain produces the hormones that make us happy when we help other people. And listen, the habit of continually helping other people teaches your brain to continually produce that hormone that actually makes you happier and happier and happier. This is a scientific fact, not just a biblical principle. Don't you love the fact that science keeps proving the Bible right? I love it. I love it. I love it. Fourthly, they say that studies show that it helps in pain. Uh, People that have had chronic pain, their pain is significantly reduced when they learn the power of serving. In fact, they say even more mature people in their old age that have their sore backs and sore knees and sore legs and And listen, I'm 47, so I know all of the sores starting to happen. But that pain is reduced. There's a a dramatic reduce in reducing in that pain level and chronic pain in people's bodies as they continually bless other people. They say, fifthly, the blood pressure is lowered when you're helping other people. Hypertension decreases in up to 40% of people when they're helping, when they're involved, when they're serving. This is the natural blood uh, pressure tablet. Let me just give a side note for all the doctors and nurses in the house. Please go and see your doctor if you have blood pressure. Don't just serve. Now Deb's smiling again. (laughs) Number six, it promotes positive behavior. Listen, serving, helping, blessing other people promotes positive behavior in teenagers. I, I, I think of our teenagers in the house. If you have kids... Get them doing something for somebody else. If there being pains in the thing that you should sit on and not be painful in, listen, get them involved. Get them doing something. I, I, I see sometimes people like, I've got to stop my kids from being involved. I need them to study hard at school. I need them. Listen, if you want them to build positive behavior, get them involved serving and doing something. Listen, they will study better at school. Studies show they have a better self-image. They have better grades at school. They get better in the outworking of their life. Get them doing something. When you just say, got to focus, got to focus. Focusing on me never makes them those things be promoted in their lives. Seventhly, uh, happiness comes from a sense of purpose and satisfaction of just actually doing something and having purpose in my life other than just making myself happy. Purpose comes from blessing other people. And if I see an issue in the world today, it's a world without purpose. It's a world that doesn't have satisfaction because they're too busy. We're too busy just trying to make me happy, my life happy, and what I'm doing happy. Listen, it has the practical outworking so powerfully, but it's also, I want to remind you, a supernatural spiritual principle. The Apostle Paul continually talks about us being involved, serving, giving our lives to the kingdom of God, and outworking who we are. In Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to a young church and he's encouraging them on their journey of building church community and and building the house of God. (coughs) And when he encourages them in in chapter 2, verse 1, he asks a couple of serious questions. 
Listen, if you have your Bibles, I want you to, to highlight these serious questions because he doesn't beat around the bush with his questions. He asks this, number one, is there any such thing as Christians now cheering each other up? He says, do you love me enough to want to help me? He says, does it mean anything to you that we are brothers in the Lord, sharing the same spirit? He says, finally, are your hearts tender and sympathetic at all? Listen, if you want something to meditate on this week, just go and meditate on Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you want to take home from this message that's encouraging you with questions for your life, not from Pastor Tim. This isn't Pastor Tim's questions. This is 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul asking the questions of the Philippian church and echoing it to City Point West today. Is there any such thing as a Christian cheering each other up? Do you love me enough to want to help me? Does it mean anything to you that we are brothers in the Lord sharing the same spirit? Does it, sorry, are your hearts tender and sympathetic at all? Don't you feel like when the Apostle Paul would ask a question like that, he's setting you up to just lay out, this is how we've got to live. And he's doing that right now. He's laying it out. Verse 2, he says, Then make me truly happy by loving each other and agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, working together with one heart, one mind, and one purpose. Let me break down this verse. Can I break down verse 2 for you a little bit? Because... Listen, this verse doesn't actually interpret really well into English. Verse 2, he starts and says, listen, get the reality that we've got to love each other. Can I say the foundation point of the church is that we would love each other? It's the foundation point. The foundation point of the church isn't lovely buildings, isn't beautiful lights, isn't an awesome worship team, isn't a, a, a preacher that can preach the Word of God. That's not the foundation point of the church. The foundation point of the church is wrapped around loving each other. Why is, why is Nation United one of our key celebration points of the year? Because it is a key celebration point of the fact that we all come from different places, different languages, <coughs> different cities, different towns, different countries, different nations. We come from different outworking, but we come together because of the love of Jesus Christ that knits us together, different color, creed. Our work, and we knit together with the same spirit because we love each other. That's powerful. That's profound. That's what makes a family out of the church. He says that you would love each other, that you would be agreeing wholeheartedly. I need to stop here because this is the bit that doesn't in interpret really well into English. Because when you sit there, you're like, Pastor Tim has to agree with me. That's not what it's actually saying. If, if I was to interpret it at best, I would say this. He is saying this, that the Holy Spirit would come and through His Spirit, He would bring a oneness of thought and a oneness of understanding. And through the oneness of thought and understanding, our lives would be changed together to be in the image of Christ. That would be the best way for me to actually interpret it. The, the interpreter took one word that is very difficult to interpret. And, and in this translation, it says agreeing together. Listen, we're not always going to agree. We're not. If we, if we just come to theology, 
We come to this room with different skews sometimes of our theology. Some theology is really clear. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. It is Jesus' blood that was shed upon the cross that washes away my sins and washes away my past. He is very clear. The Bible says that Jesus says, now come, your sins are forgiven and go sin no more. Those things are in, unchangeable. Other theology, sometimes we have some different pictures of, of how we get to some of the other theology that we see through different aspects of the Bible. And that's okay. We can come together and we can love each other and talk through theology. That's great. Listen, I want to be, be really clear. The Bible is not saying here that I should agree with you if you come in here and tell me that you can live however you want. And the Bible has no dictate to the outworking of your sexuality, the outworking of who you are as a person, the outworking of your language, the outworking of your actions. You can tell me the Bible has no effect to that and Jesus forgives me no matter what. Listen, I won't agree with that because I can't agree with the truths that exist within the Word of God. It exists for our actions and it exists for the fact that His grace is unchanging. His forgiveness is unchanging. His transforming power is unchanging. No matter what sin you carry with you into the room, this is the beauty of the gospel. And it's the beauty of the fact that Jesus doesn't leave us in our sin and despair and our mess and our temptation and brokenness. He brings us out. The same grace that forgives me, strengthens me, changes me and renews my life. It's the beauty of the gospel. I can't agree with some things. That's not what the Apostle Paul was telling Pastor Tim, agree with everybody. Listen, you come and talk to me and some things I'll say, you're in deception. And you need God to change your mind and your heart and praise God for His beautiful Holy Spirit that does that, not Pastor Tim. Because the Holy Spirit's work in your life to come and bring that transformation to your heart and to your thinking and your believing. He's not talking about that. He's talking about that we'd come through the power of the Holy Spirit. We'd come to the oneness of understanding of what God wants for us and wants for our lives. And in that oneness of understanding, we would all together become like Christ, be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. That is what is important. Listen, I come and stand before you and I've said it a billion times and I'll say it a billion more. Saved by the beautiful grace of God. A dirty, ugly sinner that was transformed utterly and is being transformed every day. By the beautiful grace that's in Christ. He says we'll be loving each other, agreeing together wholeheartedly, working together with one heart, mind and purpose. With one heart, one mind and one purpose. Listen, that love is a bringing together of people and a molding together of heart and purpose. The beauty of vision and the beauty of the local church is we come together with a vision for what God has called us to do as this local church. Listen, we're a part of the greater body of Christ, of City Point, six locations, of INC, 130 locations across Australia. But bigger than that, the body of Christ of hundreds of thousands of churches across the globe. But we have our part. We have our family that comes together and is, has a vision to see the western suburbs of Brisbane transformed for Jesus Christ. Has a vision to see God moving in our midst. Has a vision to meet needs in this community, see this community transformed. This is the vision that God puts in us. And we come together. We knit together in that. Verse 3, he says, Don't be selfish. Don't, to, don't live to make a good impression on others. Listen, this is what he says. He says, I want you now to go and love each other. I want you now to knit together. I want you now to gather together in purpose. But this is what he adds. Again, it's not just for you. Listen, service isn't 
I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving. So that everyone looks at Pastor Tim and goes, wow, that guy's doing a good job. What a legend. I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm serving, I'm involved. That's because, Pat, you're just doing a good job. And everyone would look at Pat and say, look at me. Listen, that, that doesn't do anything. He's saying, listen, don't just do this for look at me situation. Don't just do this. To, I'm going to get happy. If we're doing it for the look at me situation, that I could be the best situation, that everyone could see how hard Pastor Tim works or Pat works or everybody else works. If we just do it for that, listen, the Bible says you've already got your reward. Your reward was this. Your reward was so powerful. It was good job, buddy. A pat on the back. Listen, if you need that, I'll give you a pat on the back all day long. But there's greater reward to serving. Something on the inside of our lives when we just let God do a work through just helping someone else, walking with someone else, believing with someone else, standing with someone else. It's a powerful thing. It brings joy to our hearts and joy to our lives. He's saying this, the center point of all of the involvement and the serving isn't that you feel good about yourself and that you've done it. The center of it all is that you would actually love everybody and out of that love, you just move. You just serve. You just get involved. Out of that love for others, you just say, hey, I see you going through something. You all right? Can I walk with you? Can I cook you a meal? Can, can I just come and pray with you? Can I, can, I, can I take you shopping and just stand with you in this situation? Hey, can I meet that need that you're just struggling with right now? Out of the fact that I love you, not the fact that I want everyone else to see what I've done. He's saying do it out of the fact that it's not about selfishness. It's not about trying to impress other people. In fact, he goes on in that verse, he says, Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Now, I want to be reticent in my conversation here because I want to give you two sides of this. The powerful concept of humility, of saying, listen, I'm going to favour others. I'm, I'm not just going to look at my own life. I'm not just going to look at my own needs. I'm going to look at others and find what God has put in me that I can sow into those other people. Listen, there are always two parts of our life. The Apostle Paul teaches us there is seed to sow, that's the part of our life we should be giving, we should be sowing into other people. And there is bread for eating. That bread is the portion of your life. And I want to give a disclaimer and a warning here. The portion of your life that you actually need to survive. Listen, if you come today and at the end of the service we do an offering. If you come today and you just take everything out of your bank account, you take it all out and you just say, I'm putting it all in the offering, I am sowing everything. Then during the week, your kids are going, I'm a little hungry, mom. I'm a little hungry, dad. You're going to have to turn up down here at our marketplace and say, can I have some food because I gave it all. No, you gave your bread. Because this week when the kids say I'm hungry, you say, okay, I'm going to go and buy you something to eat because you have a portion for your survival. Paul teaches both principles. But listen, real clear, don't sow your bread. Don't take everything unless God has put a really clear picture in your heart. And, and listen, it's got to be clear. It's got to be very clear. Because unless God does that, don't sow your bread. But on the other side, don't eat your seed. There is seed portion to every one of our lives. There is a seed portion in our finances of sowing into the kingdom of God and at times sowing in other people. 
There is a seed portion for our emotions that we've got time to, to have emotional energy, to walk with others, to believe with others. There is a spiritual seed portion that we pray for others and we stand in the gap for others. We believe for others. There is a seed portion to your time where you would come and bring your time to others and, and believe with others. But listen, there's bread portion to all of that. If you're in this room and you feel like you have to give all of your time, you, you need to learn both of these principles for your life. You need to sow, but you also need time. Listen, if I gave you, you all, all of my time, A, I wouldn't sleep. B, I wouldn't have a moment to refresh. And when you finally get my time, it would be terrible time because I'm stressed, I'm freaking out. I'm, uh, I'm not able to actually just have that bread portion for rebuilding my life. You need both. Paul teaches us to have both. But listen, don't keep eating all of your seed. If you're not involved in the house of God somewhere, if you're not serving somewhere, find your seed portion. Where is the seed portion for my life? Where can I be involved? How can I be serving? Because you need both aspects of that. If there's no seed for anybody else around you and it's all bread, have a look and pray and wait on God. God, where's my seed portion for my life to actually walk with other people? Verse four, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. Don't just think about your other, other affairs. Listen, there should be an area in our life for all of this that we have interest, interest in other people. Listen, wisdom teaches us we have to think about our own affairs. He says, don't just think about your own affairs. So the wisdom Paul's giving here, you, you need to pay attention to your own affairs. Listen, if you're not working and you're just helping everyone else, find a job. Like it's helpful to get work and get finance. Find a job, do that, outwork that. If you're, if you're like just helping everybody else and, and, and you're not just looking at your own finances, your own part of your life, your own kids, listen, stop and realize, he says, not just your own affairs, but he goes further and says, be interested in others. Make sure you're genuinely interested in others. You know, this is in so many areas of our life, in, in conversation. I want to encourage you, be interested in others when it comes to conversation. You know, sometimes we have conversation Hey, Deb, yeah, great, great, talk, talk. Okay, Deb, let me just tell you about myself. And, and, and then now we're finished telling about myself. Let me tell you more about myself. You know, anyone ever been in a conversation like that before? And once we're finished there, I've got to tell you some more about myself. And more about me. Don't try and get a word in there, Deb. I'm talking about me right now. Are you selfish? For goodness sakes, let me tell you more about me. I hate those conversations. Feel like that in the room? Listen, let me just teach you a moment. Friendships are built not out of those kind of conversations. Friendships are really built out of stopping and listening. Hey, hey what's really happening in you, Deb? What's really happening? She starts to tell me about her tough week, and I'm like, my week was twice as bad as yours, Deb. Let me, listen, that's not, that's not great friendship. That's not others' interest. You know, sometimes we've got a, a competition about how bad our week is and how much our life sucks. Listen, sometimes you just need to listen and hear. If you're going to bring that example, bring that example out of, hey, this is what God's done in me and how he's helped me through a similar situation. Let me just bring that, but let me talk and hear more about you. Listen, this is what Paul's trying to say as a church. It's not just about me. Let me tell you my great story, the great thing that happened. There's time for that in conversation. There's time for that in friendship. But make sure you're able to listen and stop with your time. Like, 
everyone's got to come and help me, come help me. Listen, we give time. We come and sow, serve, be involved with somebody else, with our resource for the kingdom of God, for others, with your heart. Listen, one of the greatest pictures of love is actually opening your heart and letting other people in. Listen, in church world, we, we get sometimes so closed-hearted, and, and I get it. I've been in ugly churches too. And I'm not saying this church is perfect. I know for a fact this church is not perfect because Andrew Jones is in this church. And I know Andrew Jones is not perfect. And let me second that with a fact that Tim McDonald's here, and I can tell you that man is terrible. He's been asking for weeks to give him an amen point. Listen, I know this church is not perfect because I'm not perfect. And we're all not perfect. And I know you're going to open your heart and you're going to share something and someone's going to let you down and hurt you. That's probably going to happen in a church community. It is, I'm sorry. In advance, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we're idiots. In advance, I'm sorry we're not perfect. We're trying. We're being sanctified daily by the grace of God. But keep your heart open. Have a place in your heart for others that can walk with you. Again, be involved in a life group. But life group's not just a Bible study. It is. It's very important. It's a great place of conversation around the Word of God. But it's also a place where we open our hearts and get involved with each other and walk together so someone can walk with you next time you need them to. And if you don't open your heart, it makes it really, really difficult. Listen, in amongst all of this, he's just saying, if you want to build joy and happiness and you want to be a part of church community in that, open your heart. Get involved with other people. Don't just worry about me, but serving others. It's a powerful thing. We're not just created for us, for my life. I've got a quote on my wall, and I just want to wrap up with this. I'd love the band to come. George Bernard Shaw. I look at this every morning when I walk into my office. He says, I am the opinion that my life belongs to the community. As long as I live, it is my privilege to do whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. Life is no brief candle for me. It's a sort of splendid torch, which I got to hold for a moment, and I want to make it burn as bright as possible before handing it on to future generations. Listen, our lives aren't just about us. And again, in Christ's likeness, we have the ultimate picture of what life's supposed to be. It's supposed to be shone from the picture of a man that died for me and you. He did a work that none of us could do. The Bible says in our own sense, we're all messed up and fall short and broken. But the Bible says that this Jesus came and gave everything for us. He gave his life for us. The Bible says he gave his life for us for a purpose, that we may have life. That we may. People are amening across the room because they're like me. They've found that life in Christ. Listen, you may be here today and you haven't found that life in Christ. I'd love us right across this room, just bow our heads for just a brief moment, just as we wrap up this service. If you're in this room today and you haven't found that life that's in Christ, but you're saying, hey, Pastor Tim, I, I'd like this. I'd like to find life in Christ. Maybe you've been around church a while and you know it's time to come to Christ. Listen, this morning, I want to pray a simple prayer for you right in your seat. And if you want to be a part of that, saying, yeah, 
Tim, I, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to open my heart to Jesus. I know He's given His life for me and I want that life. I'd love you just to give me a wave here in this moment. Say, Pastor Tim, can you pray for me? I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you right in your seat because this is a powerful moment. A moment just like this transformed my entire life. When I opened my life to Jesus Christ, I opened my life to His work, I opened my life to His grace. I feel like that this morning, right across this room. Will you just give me a wave? Pastor Tim, pray for me. Pray for me right now. Before we go on this service, this is your moment. Pray for me, Pastor Tim. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your great grace. I thank you for your great work. I thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you for what you've done in our lives. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the fact that you meet us right in our mess, right in our failure, right in our brokenness, right in our challenge. You meet us there, Jesus. You don't meet us when we're perfect. You meet us in our mess. The Apostle Paul wrote, while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Jesus, I also thank you for the fact that you brought us together to be His church. Different backgrounds, different nations, different colours, different creeds. You brought us all together. You gathered us as family, as a body of Christ. God, knit together through the love that comes through Jesus. Knit together as family that love each other, that stand together. Jesus, I thank You for that. God, even though we're not perfect, even though we're challenged sometimes, Your grace washes over us and You keep knitting us together. God, I pray for those that maybe have suffered in church and their hearts have just hidden a little bit because things have been difficult. I pray right now, Jesus, that You would just touch those hearts. You'd heal those hearts. You let grace wash over those hearts. My God, I thank You for Your love that just doesn't work in people's lives. God, I pray that in this house, they would find grace. In this house, they'd find people that would stand with them, believe with them, walk with them. God, in this house, they'd find people that would sow their lives into them. I thank You for that, Jesus. God, I pray for all of us that You teach us how to serve, how to be involved, how to find our place. God, our gift, our talent. Bring it to the house of God in a powerful way, I pray. And all that agreed said? I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.